Hello, this is Brian Scuttle with Sonic Cinema. I uh, recently did some interviews with writer-director Jeffrey Brown and producer Sophia Lin on their upcoming Shudder horror film called The Beach House. It debuts on Thursday, July 9th, and it was really a pleasure to talk to him about the movie. It's a really entertaining, interesting uh, horror movie about a couple that goes to a family, the family beach house, and they find that they're not alone there. And then they also find out that um, other strange things are happening, and it goes from there. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, you can read my review for a little bit more about it, but I was pleased to uh, talk to Jeffrey and Sophia about the um, project, and I hope you enjoy those interviews. Uh, and the first question, I guess, is for 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 Jeff. Um, what was the inspiration behind uh, the story for the Beach House? Um, the 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 earliest kind of idea for it kind of came from a production standpoint, which was to make something with a limited amount of characters in a in a in a you know one location. Mm-hmm. So it's four, four, four characters, one location, which to any aspiring writers, I would not recommend that approach to writing. Um, but then I think my the idea of shoot of setting something at a beach house actually came from a trip to the Jersey Shore um, where there were and not the Jersey Shore of the of the reality show, but kind of right. there's there's other areas where they have older houses and I think I was talking to a friend. I don't think it was you, Soph. I think it was uh, Deidre Lano or somebody like that. And, and we were talking about how great all these old beach houses were. And, you know, it would be cool to set a movie primarily in them because they have such great character. Uh, and also at that time, Sophia and I worked on indie movies. And there was a whole movement called Indigent where they would make movies for like $300,000 in 15 days. And so that was kind of the early idea of kind of the frame of it. And then um, years later, I ca- we came back to it. And I think Soph and I actually had a dinner and we're talking about making like our own, you know, like a, a small movie. And I'd written some ideas for this years ago. And then I just kind of went back and started writing it again. And one one big thing was, my wife's sister was getting married in New Orleans and I went to the aquarium at New Orleans to kill some time. And I was just staring at jellyfish <laughs> for like, and, and there was something, I was like, what does a jellyfish think? Like, what is it, what is it thinking about? Or like, which is, it's ludicrous. But then, then that was kind of like the spark that went through many kind of iterations over, you know, nine-ish, or the writing was about three or four years until we wound up, you know, you kind of shoot for the moon at first, then you kind of, you know, pare it back, and, and then it became kind of what it is. Uh, and Sophia's note, Sophia's always kind of logic for notes. She's always like, I hate horror movies when people are like, why would you do that? And mm-hmm. so we try to avoid that, sensibility but also one other thing while you know Sophia's within earshot some of the earlier drafts were kind of drifting more towards like something more conventional in a way and she was always like if we're going to make a small movie 
she's like, don't be conventional. Like you can do that late. You know, that's what you do later. But like right now, make it go, go all out. And, you know, I think that was another great, um, kind of theme or input or, you know, kind of through line to the making of the movie. Um, Mm-hmm. I think I think that's about that, and, and so it, it's kind of those two. The the you know, production, a small movie, you know, with uh, necessity being the mother of invention, added to staring at jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, what was it about uh, Jeffrey's vision for the uh, movie that drew you to uh, produce it with him? Well, yeah, you know, it, it, as Jeff said, we coming coming from a production background, like. I think we might have a little more um, ground. We might approach projects with a little more grounding than than a typical, you know, screenwriter producer mm-hmm. combo because we've just seen over the years so many times like scripts that were too ambitious for for the for the level of production, you know, that really suffered from not being able to be executed. And so it's a little bit of a backwards approach, um, but it the intention was to get the movie made. You know, um, as as a producer, as any kind of aspiring filmmaker can can tell you, it's it's virtually impossible to get any movie made. And so if you try to, we we were just trying to find ways to make it um, more achievable, mm-hmm. and. Um, not long prior to, uh, to 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 my joining in to start working with Jeff on this on this project, um, I had actually teamed up with one of the other producers on the Beach House, Tyler Davidson, and we had shot Take Shelter for an amount of money that is quite a bit lower than what what is widely reported, <laughs> <laughs> and then subsequently I made a film. Um, with Craig Zobel called Compliance, and it was a very similar approach where it was like, well, if we can't, if we don't want to wait two to three years to try to get name actors to justify a multi-million dollar price tag, how do we get the get the film done? What's the opposite approach? And so the, the question becomes, well, what's the smallest version of the movie that you can make, and then we can just do whatever we want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's how you can have very trippy visual and oral kind of <laughs> sequences like in the beach house or for compliance, you can cast just the best actor you want and you wind up with and Dowd, you know, instead of chasing actors who don't have the time for you. So mm-hmm. um, it, it is a little bit kind of production oriented, but I feel like, Keeping the idea of the story in mind and wanting it to be effectively creepy, scary, horrifying, and atmospheric, you know, all of Jeff's priorities, like making sure that we made that those were front of mind, I think was um, was what we were hoping for. So, mm-hmm. Jeff, uh, what were there any particular cinematic influences with uh the beach house because when I was watching the film, I couldn't help but think of uh, the fog and uh, the mist when it came to uh, when it came to uh, just the basic idea of the film. 
The, you know, it's funny. When, part of my process is I make something that's called a recipe, essentially. And it's just kind of a catalog of images, movies, albums, books, you know, stories, pretty much anything I come across that like, it's like, I want to take from this or from that or, you know, and then the recipe on the beach house, I think is about five, we ended up being around five or six pages long. Um, and it's primarily in the scripting and the, um, you know, get it all in the prep stage. Once you get, once you start shooting, all that stuff really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, in a in a weird way, like you're not sitting there with images of a movie while you're shooting the film. You're like in the moment. So it's like, you know, but in terms of the prep, the fog and the mist, you know, the thing about the fog is um, I love John Carpenter. John Carpenter is one of those kind of directors for people around my age. Um, I'm in my early 40s and he is, you know, he's inescapable for horror films. He's just such a, a, a titanic influence. Um him and David Cronenberg and David Lynch uh, and even George Romero to some extent, um, like they're just, they're there. There's mm. nothing, you can't really do that. And of all of Carpenter's movies, and I think I've seen, I think I've seen all of them. The, the fog is not one of my favorites. <laughs> and so I think it was more of when I, when I see a movie like that, it's like, well, what would I do differently to make this, into a movie that I would want, that I would enjoy more. Cause it's like, I love the opening sequence of the fog where it's the, the titles I think were great, but then once it gets into the story, I'm like, eh, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work for me. Like mm -hmm. Prince of Darkness. I, I, I love Prince of Darkness of his films. I think that's one of the more underrated ones, even though that's, I mean, it's in Beach House, but it's really not. Um, and, and the Mist too, the Mist is I think an excellent, you know, Stephen King movie. But I think a big one was like, to be honest, is Alien. The original Alien mm -hmm. uh, was very big, and then uh, the early Cronenberg films, like Shivers, especially. Uh, I went and saw that on the big screen. I think when we were in prep, it was playing somewhere, and um, Rabbit and The Brood, and then um, even yeah, some kind of non-horror films too. Um, but you know. Like, in, uh, not to get super arty, but Antonioni has amazing fog sequences in some of his movies. And mm -hmm. so that was like Red Desert and Identification of a Woman have amazing fog. And I, I'm, I really got into fog, <laughs> watching fog scenes in movies where I'd be like, oh, that's a good one. Um, we, you know, we, I think in prep, early prep, there was one really foggy day in Cape Cod. And I was like, I hope it's like this all the time. But, you know, <laughs> wishful thinking. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, um, well, this is for uh, both of you. What were some of the uh, challenges you had in uh, producing when it came to uh, the actual filming of this? So let me, let, uh, you want to yeah, go first? Go <laughs> okay, all right. Well, the, 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 the biggest one, so we shot it in essentially three six-day weeks, but we had two days off, so it's not like, but the hardest thing, um, you know, when you shoot a normal movie, the, the biggest consideration is, is rain. It's like, if it's raining, you go to cover. Mm -hmm. um, and since we didn't have, I mean, the house was essentially covered. So like if, if it was pouring rain, we would go to the house on top of the, on top of rain. Um, we were also looking, you know, the, we shot off season, so it was pretty cold and we needed, you know, clear days to make it look warm. So then that was that was another consideration. It's like, what days is it going to be really sunny? Then 
if you're going to shoot with fog machines, if you have wind that's over three miles an hour, it is not going to work. So then we were also looking for days where it wouldn't be uh, windy. And then on top of that, um, Cape Cod is insane tides. So to get some shots that involve the right, um, you know, weather, or uh, I'm sorry, the right depth of water, we would have to time it according to the tides. And, you know, our assistant director and some of the, some of the locations guys would, they did studies of, of the times of the tides. And part of back to Sophia and my uh, production background is that the movie was designed to be flexible because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if th that stuff didn't work, then the scene kind of is, is problematic. Like you can't shoot on the beach in a rainstorm because it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so that was another part of it was, was to be able to be flexible with, with the scenes that we shot. And I really think we had about three days of sun. And we, it was just one of those things where, hey, that sunny, that, that beach scene's coming up tomorrow because it's going to be sunny. Um, but I think that was the, the, the biggest challenge from, from, what, from my point of view. I was going to say that, um, yeah, I think the, uh, the fog, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, despite all of our production experience, learning that, um, major exterior fog is, uh, is very fickle. I think that that was a very, that was a very big challenge. Um, uh, that, I mean, that's what. It's like to me. Yeah, I, and also on our on our budget, you know, what would be there's like a Christopher Nolan movie. I think the I think it's Insomnia. They have amazing fog scenes, but it's like, well, that movie's got thirty times the amount of money we. You know, it's like it's and yeah. it probably, and and it's not only it's not just time, it's not just money, but it's also the time. So it's like, you know, we have a very limited window of filming. And then they have probably, you know, we had 18 days. They probably have, you know, 100 days. And they can be more, you know, you can, you can adjust to, to the, you can shift that big ship if mm -hmm. you've got more time to do it. Uh, but, yeah, we learned that about fog. Oy. <laughs> yeah. That, that, has, uh, that has come up on my, on my most recent project. I was like, you guys, there's, I was like, I do not. I, I can speak from experience. This is not a way you really want to go. I'm yeah, like, it's not going to work. So. It's tough. And I mean, the, uh, you know, uh, Cape Cod is the, the geography of it. It's, you know, it's, uh, uh, is it not an isthmus? What is it? Um, anyway, you know, or peninsula? Peninsula. Peninsula. And you, you, you I mean, it's, it's it very exposed to the elements. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what's, you know, beautiful about it, but that's also, you know, it's very fragile, which is then ties into some of the themes of the movie. So it's, mm -hmm. it, you know, it all, it all kind of works. <laughs> One of the things I liked about the movie was, um, I, I like the fact that even though it is a horror movie, it, it doesn't rely solely on what we can traditional horror elements and, you do have body horror and you do have uh, gore to a certain extent, but you don't overemphasize them or, and you don't really introduce them until you feel like you need to for the service of the story. Um, what was the, what was, what was, what were some of the challenges in terms of coming up with 
some of the makeup effects and other effects uh, for the film? Um, well, I, I mean, so if I, let me, I'll, I'll jump in for a sec here. One thing I, I learned is I don't think they make a ton of horror movies in the Northeast, in New York. New York indie films, at least in the 20 years I did, I, I only worked on, I think, maybe one horror film. I mean, um, Larry Fessenden does a bunch of them, but th there's not a huge uh, pool of effects artists. And so that was something that I learned kind of surprisingly, that, that it's like you, there's a couple guys you can go to, and then they, they kind of do them all in this area. Um, and I think a challenge was expressing things that weren't typical horror tropes and communicating those kind of ideas was a, was a challenge for me. And, and I think by the end of it, I learned some things about how I would do them differently, but that, that was, uh, that was challenging. Um, and I think a big, I think restraint was a key word you know, in, in my mind, primarily because it's like, you know, what if you overdo the gore right off the bat, the audience becomes numb to it mm -hmm. as extreme as it goes. And, and I wanted the gore and the effect. I wanted us to know the characters and to to surprise the audience because horror view. I'm a, I'm a horror fan much more than Sophia. I don't think Soph is a horror fan at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I I, th I think I try to think that the fact that I'm not a horror fan actually, um, you know, really brings some balance. You know, brings some balance to uh, to the movie. And he, he, I mean, that's where I was like, I wanted, or I pushed Jeff to like always make it have make things have. They could have their own internal logic, but they mm -hmm. always had to follow their own logic, you know, and so um, it couldn't just be like chubby rain in Bowfinger or something where you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, what, what, is, yeah. hey, what, now yeah. this happened, what, you know, it's, so um, it, that, that's my speaking up for the non-horror fans, although well, I would say I do thoroughly enjoy getting completely grossed out by our own movies, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and we saw what was an one of the alien movies, like Covenant, or and in at, like after the like the after the last day of filming, Sophia's a great audience for horror films because she's like, oh my god, yeah. But um, the other thing about Sophia though is that both compliance and take shelter, and this is something we talked about very early in the process, with just a just like a little bit more pepper in them, they're horror films. Compliance is extremely unpleasant and. And uh, Take Shelter is extremely intense. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, watching Take Shelter in the theater was, it's, you know, it's a very intense movie. And so that was something for me is to take her knowledge of those films and to graph it onto what is a traditional, um, you know, horror, horror idea or horror script. I thought that that was another thing that I, that I hadn't really seen in horror films before and something that I kind of wanted to see. And, you know, that hopefully the audience would get on board with that instead of being like, you know, mm -hmm. I, and I think they, horror fans like surprises. So, you know, I hope that we surprise them. Um, so one last thing for me, uh, this, this the, the actual release of this is uh, happening at a very interesting time that certainly none of us could have predicted with a uh, pandemic actually occurring um what what is it 
is it surreal to have this movie being made available at this particular time or is is there any particular feelings that come up when it comes to uh when it comes to that the timing of this uh so do you want to go first <laughs> i mean it's funny you know um i i personally having been in for the most part in isolation for the last three months you know i've I've been able to, as we've gone along and things have improved, like, you know, I've gotten to see people mm-hmm. outdoors or socially distanced or whatever, you know, but it, it really is interesting because I feel like this is, um, it, it's funny how the experience of, of working, you know, with Jeff on like feedback for the script and the sense of isolation and the sense of danger that is lurking outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always something that we wanted to to stress because we had limited resources for for you know for a monster. So it's like if 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 the atmosphere is what's going to get you, I mean, it's kind of almost uncanny. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the parallels where you know in the early weeks, it's like, should I leave my house at all? Like if I breathe wrong, you know, before before people started wearing masks widely and even, yeah, obviously even now there's, you know, um, a cultural divide over wearing masks, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the early weeks when it was like kind of unclear whether people should wear masks, it's like, am I risking things by just going to the store once every three weeks? And it's, it's a really bizarre parallel, yeah. you know, um, to be, I mean, we can't see it like the fog, but it's out there, you know, and it's like, is it going to get me? And mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and you also don't know the, sh- we, you know, we, ha- we only now are we starting to get the contours of COVID-19, but even so, there isn't a full understanding of it, you know, and so um, I do really appreciate that, um, you know, that our lead character as a scientist is like trying to figure out the shape of the monster that's threatening her, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, I feel like there's, there's parallels there as well. So. And to, to pick up, I mean, first off, it's, it's a horrible irony, you know, that it, that it's, that it's coming out when it's coming out. I yeah. mean, it was supposed, you know, we knew it was going to come out around this time uh, back in September. And, you know, if whatever the appropriate, the appropriateness of the release if that could be sacrificed so that nobody has COVID, of course, that's, you know, that's what we, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's horror is the, you know, horror is the id of, of whatever, you know, any, the, a movie like get out is also an expression of the id, you know, and this is when I was, one of the things I wanted to write it was I wanted to make it essentially the nightmare of a young woman. Yeah. And, in in kind of studying about climate change, one of the the repercussions of climate change is you know pandemic type situations, mm-hmm. and so to take kind of those anxieties that somebody who's who's concerned about the future, and then take their what that nightmare would feel like, and and that was that was I mean that was a basic thematic concern to me is just to take you know the the characters are 
know, there are people that they kind of remember, you know, that, that uh, Randall had met years ago. So it's like you have weird dreams where people that you haven't seen in years just show up. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's like a, a weird sense of deja vu. And then on top of that, just kind of a, um, you know, a surreal taking normal um, things and combining them in weird ways, like a, a true, like surreal approach to storytelling. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that I don't want to be seen as exploiting contemporary situations. And I don't think that that's the case because it's no. not knowing how, when we, we made it and how all that, but you know, I would hope in, in this, I think that there's a possibility for a time of reflection in our country. And I think th- the film hopefully inspires that type of reflection uh, of not just, you know, who we are as individuals, but who we are as, as, as a country and as a planet. I, you know, I'm a firm believer that it's a global world. You know, I think mm-hmm. that distinct, distinctions between uh, governments and, and countries is, is really arbitrary because we're all kind of, we're, the, this, these problems we're having are, are, they're on a global scale. And so that, to try to convey uh, that type of sensibility, you know, it, it, it is, Emily says, you know, she likes astrobiology to, to kind of see the world from an astrobiological standpoint and to convey almost a sense of, of the deep history of the planet you know, within in 88 minutes with four characters, you know, that, yeah. that was like, if, if, if we can even scratch that surface, and I think we've accomplished, you know, something that we set out to that maybe, you know, even Sophie and I, when we had our, you know, the first kind of, I think dinner somewhere and we're like, Hey, let's make a movie. You know, if, if that, if, if all these things come, come throughout, then we've accomplished something. So, yeah. um, well, and I, I think one of the things that, um, I, I think one of the things that I've typically come to understand as far as horror is that it, it can also, it can be sort of a release of our own anxieties to watch horror on the screen. And I think that's, I think that's where something like this can have value. But I did want to say um, before we wrap up that one of the things I did appreciate about the movie a great deal was that Emily is not your typical quote unquote final girl in a horror movie where there's there's an intelligence to the character there's an awareness of what possibly might be happening and this intent desire to understand what is happening that I think that really appealed to me about the character and I think is one of the reasons that the movie ultimately has the impact that does because of the fact that you're you're not just following a character who just is almost helpless in this situation. She's figuring things out based on her personal knowledge of astrobiology that, um, and of science that she's, she's, she, she doesn't feel helpless like like a lot of final girls in horror movies do. So that's one of the things I really liked about the movie. I, I, I think that also it was something with Sophia that we talked about in casting is that we really wanted people to feel real. Yeah. Um, and one of the, I mean, this is also a testament to, to Liana's performance is that we also it's like in, in movies where you have, especially I think, um, you know, characters that play scientists where they're, you know, whoever wrote the words they're saying, 
you know, knows what they're talking about. But then you're kind of like, when you watch him, you're like, I don't know if she's <laughs> quite grasping. But I think it's a testament to Liana, to her uh, performance, is that, I, you know, you buy it. You, you believe her in every situation in the movie. Just yeah. She's just, she's a very, very, you know, talented actress. But the whole... I think the whole cast did, you know, they're all, they all did a great job. Mm. And especially, you know, both uh, uh, Liana and Noah's performances, they're very physical. Mm -hmm. uh, horror films are very physical on actors to make. And they're both just, you know, they were very physical and game for, you know, just about anything. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that, you know, you responded to that. And that was also something from, you know, so, you know, I, I, we just don't like it when, when the audience is always smarter than the character where it's like, mm -hmm. All right, well, she's going to get hit by a car, you know, but it's like, <laughs> we, we, but that these are, you know, the very conscious decisions that I'm glad you responded that way. And I'm glad that it made it, that it came through in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but and cool. Jeff also, you know, created a, uh, a villain, so to speak. That's not like, it's not human. So it's not there to punish a girl for being a sexual person, you yeah. know, so yeah. um, <laughs> there's no moralizing here. The, the fog gets everybody, you know, so um, the transformation is spreading, you know, and so, um, so I think that that helps as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, Liana's performance for sure is just super grounded and you believe absolutely that she's just like a incredibly bright college student who has a lot ahead of her before insanity happens you know so yeah. well thank you very much for your time i'm glad I, i'm glad i was able to uh talk to you guys about the beach house i'm looking forward to seeing what the reaction is can be when uh people have a chance to see it thank you and and brian a score uh recommendation uh i i see that i saw on your your blog that you're you know you're a big fan of composers yes do you know them do you have you seen the movie midnight run uh, I cannot say that I have. Okay, so it's it's De Niro and Charles Grodin. Yes. Danny Elfman does the score, and yeah. it is unlike any of his other scores. <laughs> and it is if you watch the movie and try to take the score away from the movie, mm -hmm. it's like it is so uh, it's so important to the movie. It's just it's a great movie, and the score in particular. It's like Danny Elfman never really did that sort of thing again. So I, I think if you're, if you're into scores like that, I would definitely check that one out. Yes, I will be sure to do so. I didn't realize <laughs> Danny Elfman composed that score. Right, it's weird, movie, it's weird. So. Yeah, it, it's a very, it's a, it's a subtly smart movie. Um, the script is very, very good. Okay. But uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, Brian. Oh, no problem, thank you. All right, Thank Bye you. Now.